0: God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you. That you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father. That you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we will hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding practically living the Christ within... Our interview segment is with Dave Ferguson. Dave is the lead pastor of Community Christian Church here in Naperville, Illinois. He has authored or co-authored seven books of which Finding Your Way Back to God will be a part of today's discussion. Also, if you enjoy our broadcasts here on the Solution Radio Show, please tell your friends about us. If they're in the Chicago area, on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., We're broadcast on WBIG, 1280 AM, out of the Aurora, Naperville area, and then also on our website. Uh, There at the website we have links to all of our past shows. That's at www.thesolutionradioshow.com. Please feel free to pass that link across to your friends or post it on social media. On that site, all of our past shows are available for you to listen to. Let's start off today with Break Every Chain by Jesus Culture. like to ask you a question, what have you been thinking about? Lately I've been thinking about, what am I thinking about? You know, sometimes I can go through stretches of the day, an hour or two at a time, sometimes a half a day, sometimes even a whole day, and I don't remember what I've been thinking about. It's almost as if my mind has been on cruise control and If you're anything like me, you've probably experienced some of the same. Or, uh, some of those days I may have placed my thoughts on the politics of the day because of what I heard on talk radio. Or my thoughts went to food because my stomach was telling me it was hungry. Or I was going over in my mind for some crazy reason old song lyrics from the 70s. Or Dreams of a Cubs World Series this fall or if I'm at work and I'm working my computer job I'm thinking on how best to communicate information or or how to set up a database certainly throughout the day we need to direct our minds our thoughts to think about our occupation as we work at our jobs or on a recipe as we cook dinner or the directions on how to assemble a new swing set for our children or our grandchildren but in between all the thoughts that are necessary for our day-to-day living. There is much time available to direct our thoughts to the things of God and spiritual matters. We will see today from God's Word, from the Scriptures, that there is great reward resulting in joy and peace when we think godly thoughts. Also, I need to mention that in the context of our Uh, day-to-day activities where our thoughts must be directed at the task at hand, whether it be uh, writing computer code, digging a ditch, fixing an appliance, or negotiating a business deal. In all those things, we are able to have those thoughts in those activities proceed out of the love of God that resides in our heart. That will happen when the foundation of our heart the sure footing of our actions are fixed firmly on God and the things of God and His Word. All of the issues of our life come from the heart. We'll later read that in Proverbs 4. Our heart can change as we change our thinking, what we feed our mind. We will see from God's Word today that the Bible is a living word. It's alive. It's alive. And when that Word of God is meditated upon and dwelt upon in our thinking, the living God by way of His Spirit and the living Word in your mind will transform your heart. It's not automatic. It's not automatic when you become a Christian. Nor does God take over your mind and make your heart and life become a certain way. Our Heavenly Father He has done a holy, mighty, and gracious work for each of us through the accomplished work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now it's time for you and I to live for Him. If only today we can get a glimpse of who we are in Christ to the end of believing our true identity, then our time together has been well spent. Let's begin by going to the Scriptures to see some of what we have in Christ then, after we see that, we'll look at the Word of God to see how to manifest or to show forth in our day-by-day living the greatness of that Christ within. We'll start here in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 19. It states, For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Christ, should all fullness dwell. God delights in the truth that all of His fullness Dwells in Christ. The word "fullness" here in this verse in Colossians chapter one has an emphasis on completeness. Christ is lacking nothing. All that God has available is in Christ. He has withheld nothing. Look at verse 27 of the same chapter, Colossians 1:27, "To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles." which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has made known the abundance of the wealth of his glory. And it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the abundance of the wealth of his glory. We just read in verse 19 that God delights in the truth, that all fullness All that's available dwells in Christ. Now where is Christ? He's in you. And that Christ is the hope of God's glory which is absolutely assured and sealed in you by the Spirit. That glorious moment in all its fullness will occur at the return of Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. All that God has available to give He gave in Christ and he is delighted in that truth and you have Christ in you you have all that's available already from God spiritually it's all there and it's chomping at the bit to be let loose in this world but it can only manifest and show forth its greatness through you as you put on the mind of Christ wow What a storehouse treasure of riches we have residing inside each of us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. In Colossians chapter 2, let's look at verses 9 and 10. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Look at that. In Christ dwells or lives permanently all the fullness of God. The result of the completeness of the finished work of Jesus Christ resides in Christ. And that Christ is in you. What is that result? It's the spirit of the living God reestablishing his fellowship with his creation, mankind. In Christ, all that Adam lost in the fall is restored and really so much more, because the Spirit received in the new birth through Christ is eternal, never to be lost or stolen. Look at verse 10 again. And you are complete in Christ. You are completely filled in Christ with all that our Heavenly Father has available to give. You are filled to the top. You are missing nothing. You are completely, completely filled absolutely complete in christ spiritually you are lacking nothing you have all that's available remember in ephesians chapter 1 where it states that god has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ all means all we have been blessed by god in christ with all that is available god has done his part It's now time to step up to the plate, so to speak, and bat 1,000 living for God, making known the living Christ. At times, why have we failed to walk into the greatness of who we are in Christ? I don't mean to be critical here, not by any means. There are days each of us loves with the Father's love, and we make known the living Christ to a dying world. We do that. The sick get healed. The unsaved are saved, hearts are mended, and we are obedient to God's working within us. Those are some of the works that our Heavenly Father has prepared for us to walk in from before the foundation of the world. And they are wonderful works. They result in great joy. But I desire for every day to be like that, to be a day of victory. Do you think Jesus Christ's life mattered when he lived and walked among men? Sure it did. It's foolish to even consider that it didn't. Why did his life matter? Because he had the Spirit of God, and he made known the living God. He knew his purpose. He knew what he was called to, and he knew who he was as God's only begotten Son, and he knew who God was as his Father. Well, where does that Spirit of God dwell today? in you, in me. We are complete in Christ. We have received spiritually all that's available to receive. How do we now live the Christ within? Make it known, manifest it, show it forth. How do we do that? God will not make anyone live for him. God does not possess, nor does God control people. Each of us has the freedom of will to choose who and what we live for. God in his word, well, he makes it very clear, and it's very simple, on how to live the life of triumph that he has called us to. Let's begin this journey of living for God by reading Romans chapter 12. We're going to read here uh, verses 1 through 3, Romans chapter 12. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. In verse 1 there it says, We are requested with great love and yearning by way of the mercies of God to become a living sacrifice. We are holy and well-pleasing in God's sight in Christ already, but now let's show it forth. Let's live this holiness and this acceptance by God in our day-by-day life. It's really the only reasonable or logical thing to do. A living sacrifice is one that walks in love, obedient to the Spirit's direction, which is going to come by one of two ways. It's either going to come by way of the written word or by way of the Spirit of God working within. That is our service to God. Verse 2 simply gives us the practical application of our service to and for God. Let's read verse 2 again. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It says here, we're not to be conformed or molded to this world. What is this world like? Galatians one four states that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins so that he might deliver us from this present evil world. It's an evil world that we live in. I surely don't want to be molded to this world. I'm sure you don't either. How are we molded to this world? The molding to this world comes by way of thinking according to the ways of this world. That could include lying, cheating, stealing, personal gain no matter what the cost, deviant sexual behavior, murder, gossip, and the list just goes on and on. You could just read the newspaper or listen to the news to see what it is to be molded to this world. It's not hard to be molded to this evil age because that is what we've been raised in. That is what we are surrounded by. But, praise God, there is a way out. (laughs) And the way out is the rest of verse 2. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This transformation will take place in your heart. This transformation will take place by the renewing of your mind. What is it to renew our mind? The word renewing here is a very key word. It means new in quality and improvement. What would it be to have a mind that is new in quality and has been improved? Previously our minds were molded to this evil age. Now that we have received Christ, we are to put on the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God, to the end that our entire mind is saturated with the word of God. This involves so much more than just memorization of scripture or rote recitation of scripture. This is the living word, living in your mind and your heart. When the word of God lives in your heart, it cannot help but be manifested in the way you live your life. There's no more lying, no more cheating, envy, pride, murder, it's all gone, adultery, and all the other evil things from this evil age. The thoughts of the world previously lived in our minds and hearts, but now it is to be God's word. That is what is to live in our mind and our heart. The molding of the world is replaced with a transformation which leads to love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, believing, meekness, and self-control. Philippians clearly shows us a key, key verse on how to renew our minds. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Literally, let the thoughts of Christ be in your mind. How are we to do that? By reading and thinking and meditating on the word of God. Let your mind become marinated in God's word. Soak it in by talking to God about his word. Ask him to open the eyes of your understanding regarding the depth and the heart of the truth of his word. He will do that for you. That's why I said earlier, it's much more than just memorization or a rote repetition. It's a living word, and that living word can live in our mind and our heart. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus Christ stated, It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that Jesus Christ spoke were the words of God. Those words are spiritually alive. All of God's word is God's word. The church epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, Romans through Thessalonians, are just as much spiritually alive words as the words that Jesus Christ spoke. They are God's word. It's a living word. And when it lives in your mind and in your heart, you are transformed. You show forth in your life what you have received spiritually in the new birth. Now what is the new birth? If you're just hearing that term for the first time, let me explain. The new birth is to be born from above, to become born again of God's Spirit. It's to receive spiritually all that Christ has made available because of His accomplished work in His perfect life and in His obedience to His Father. Romans chapter 10 clearly spells out what it is to be born again. Let's read here of verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and confess Jesus as Lord of your life. It's that simple. If it were any harder, we'd never make it. Remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life, well, then you've been Lord of your life all these years. And if you're honest, you really haven't done all that well especially with the heart issues of life. I don't much care about your occupation, your income, or your physical attributes. It's the heart issues of life that matter. And until Jesus Christ becomes your Lord, life is messed up spiritually. Confess him as Lord. It doesn't say confess your sins. It says confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you shall absolutely be saved, born again, receive eternal life. That's the new birth. And it's by the renewing of our mind that our heart is transformed to the end, that we live on the outside. What we have received on the inside at the new birth, and what we have received is Christ within the completeness of Christ, all that's available from God. Proverbs chapter 4, let's look at verses 20 through 23. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them, God's words, not depart from thine eyes. Keep God's words in the midst of thine heart, for they, God's words, Are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of the heart, are the issues of life. How are we to keep God's Word in the midst of our heart? We do it by reading the Word, by speaking the Word, by hearing the Word. By meditating on the Word of God, by talking to God about His Word, and asking Him to open the eyes of our understanding that our heart could see the greatness of what He's made available in Christ. God's Word is life. God's Word is health. How can that be? Because it's a living Word, it's alive, it's true, it's faithful, it's love, it's light. His word is the grace and the mercy of our Heavenly Father. His word is the will of a loving Creator. We are instructed here in Proverbs to keep our heart with all diligence. The word keep here means to guard. Diligence means above all keeping. In other words, guard your heart above all that is kept, above all things. Why? Because out of the heart are the issues of life. The issues of life, that's your life. It's your living. It's what you live. The issues of your life are what you believe and what you receive. Thoughts that are held in your mind and believed in your heart powerfully affect every aspect of your life. How are we going to guard our heart? We guard our heart by controlling our thinking. You determine what you will think and dwell upon. We can either think carnal thoughts which lead to death or God's Word which leads to life. In light of that, how important is it that we put on the mind of Christ to the end that we are transformed? And in that transformation we will prove what is that good and acceptable, and perfect will of God. Back in Romans chapter 12, let's look again at verse 3. It states, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's the King James Translation. That translation is somewhat misleading because this verse literally means to think of yourself what the Word of God says who you are in Christ. To think out of bounds would be to think that you were a self made man or woman and that your accomplishments were based on your great ability. Also, to think out of bounds would be to think that all you are is a lowly sinner unworthy and unrighteous because of what you've done or failed to do. Here it says we're to keep our thinking within the boundary of God's word. The bounds are, know your righteousness in Christ and your standing as God's child in the kingdom of God. The boundary is who God says you are in the new birth. The boundary is what God has dealt to each of us, His Spirit, the Christ within. Our foundation for victorious living is found in Christ, and Christ alone.
1: My children, in everything, look to me. world is big but nothing is bigger than me my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are higher too and you don't have to worry anymore don't expect this world to love you, but dear children, I always do. I love you, I love you. My love for you is deeper. begins to doubt. Oh, remember just what my word is about. I gave my son Jesus Christ for you. Now you have
0: Our guest today is Dave Ferguson. Dave is the lead pastor of Community Christian Church in Naperville, Illinois. Community Christian has grown from a few college friends meeting in a house to thousands every weekend meeting at 12 locations in the Chicago area. Dave provides visionary leadership for New Thing, whose mission is to be a catalyst for movements of reproducing churches. He has authored or co-authored seven books of which finding your way back to God will be part of today's discussion. I'd like to welcome Dave Ferguson to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me, Greg. Oh, it's great to have you here. Can you give us some of your background and what led you to become a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ?
2: I grew up in a Christian home, and my my dad was a pastor, and maybe different than some of the experiences you hear sometimes from pastors' kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was actually a very positive one. It was a terrific church, and they are just um they're both my mom and dad are really pretty um, amazing people but having said that i did growing up kind of resent the idea of like because everybody kind of thought oh your dad's a pastor you'll be a pastor so i really wouldn't didn't want to have much to do with that Mm -hmm. Uh, and it wasn't a rejection of church or jesus but it was kind of like the idea that you're gonna do the same thing your dad's gonna do so i remember going to college and somewhere in my first year of college i began to wrestle with this question of what are you going to trade your life for and i knew i don't know why i mean because it's at at 18 or 19, that's a pretty big question. But I knew that either you trade your life one day at a time for something, or all at once, kind of, for something. And um, I didn't have the language for it then, but I knew that the thing I wanted to trade my life for was to help people find their way back to God.
0: Mm, great.
2: And I wouldn't have kind of worded exactly like it, but that was it. And as I began to think about that, I was going like, okay, so what's the best way to do that? And I ended up kind of, kind of got, I trapped myself, and I'm like, well, maybe the best way to help people find their way back to God is to be involved in churches. Mm-hmm. And the best kind of churches that do it, and we have quite a bit of research that shows, shows us now, is starting brand new churches. And I guess if you start a church, that makes you a pastor. Right. So I was like, oh, <laughs> they got me. Um, so um, so that was really, it was really it was that question of mm-hmm. what can I do to really help the most people find their way back to God? That's what really drove me. More than the idea, um, even to this day, I'm, I'm really not that in, enamored with the idea of being a pastor, because I think there's a lot of stereotypes that come with that. Mm-hmm. But I do love Uh, that 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 mission
0: that's wonderful following in your dad's footsteps not only earthly but your heavenly father as well you got that right yeah well in the book finding your way back to god um, i just recently finished reading that you discuss five different awakenings in that book could you briefly explain each of those for our listeners
2: yeah i'd be glad to greg i've been in community now and uh, i wrote this with my brother john the two of us both for more than 20 years and we've had the opportunity to see i mean probably thousands of people that would articulate that way. I, this is where I found my way back to God. And we spent one day, one whole day, uh, and where we invited in and kind of scheduled about 25 folks to come in and just tell their story. Mm-hmm. And it, I tell you what, it was probably one of the most remarkable days of my life because one person after another uh, would tell their story about how they found their way back to God. And it was like you kind of grabbed them. They would grab us by the hand and kind of like take us on this journey where they were back to God. And every one of them, it was like the same, a, a similar kind of journey, different but similar. And it was kind of like if you were walking across a, a field, that pretty soon, if you do it like 25 times, it kind of, there's a well worn path. Mm-hmm. And what began to emerge for us after talking to these 25 folks and then also reflecting on our experience for the last couple of decades, were there were, there's like five different awakenings that seems like, Almost everybody has when they're finding their way back to God. And so that's, that's the content of the book, and I'll kind of, I'll, I'll kind of give them to you briefly here. Uh, the first awakening is what we call awakening to longing. And this is the idea where something wells up inside you at different points in your life that there's got to be something more. For a lot of us, it's the longing to, to love or be loved. Mm-hmm. It's a longing for purpose. There's got to be some reason God put me in this earth. Or even uh, answers to the big questions of, of why certain things happen that don't make sense. And there's this longing inside of us. Well, and so we begin to kind of try to pursue and satisfy those longings. And what we often do, unfortunately, is we try to satisfy that longing for love or that longing for purpose outside of God. Right. Which leads to the next awakening, which is this awakening to regret. And you're going like, ah, what, why, what, 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 this is not what I wanted. And uh, we kind got of go into the book a little bit. A lot of people get stuck in what we call the sorry cycle, where you go longing Regret. (laughs) I'm still long. I regret again. Long and around and around. Well, eventually what we found with those folks and as we looked over our shoulder at all these people was a third awakening, which was awakening to help. And you go, I can't do this on my own. And uh, in the book, we talk about help as a name. And his name's Jesus, and that's the help I need. And and so when we, when we when we meet Jesus, he's the one who helps us then find our way back to God. And when we find our way back to God, what we find then is is really this this love, this awakening of love that he loves us. And I man, I hope your listeners get this: that God loves us not as we should be, but just as we are. Not as we should be, but just as we are. That's exactly how he loves us because we're his, his children. Well, what often happens though, even in the awakening form, we have this awakening of love. There's something we call it the shadow that follows you home. That we go like, you know what, this is too good to be true. Mm -hmm. That God's going to get, he's going to get me because, you know, I'm not that good of a person. And he's finally going to get even. And when we finally break through that, that, no, no, no matter what, no matter what, he loves you. He forgives you. Then you awaken to life, which is the fifth awakening. And what we found is that consistently people had... Those five awakenings. So we kind of laid that out. We then, this, As we began to look at the Bible, too, we, we saw the story of the prodigal son. And those are the exact same kind of awakenings that Jesus uses Is what's probably the greatest story he ever told, mm-hmm. the story of the prodigal son.
0: And in the book, all those stories, all those testimonies were very encouraging, uh, really a joy to read.
2: Uh, well, and, and imagine getting to spend a whole day with 25 people. Because a lot of those stories were from some of those 25 people. but Actually, there's more than even in the book. I mean, just one after another after another. And um, it both it, bo- it both boosts your faith, but it's also just um, reignites your confidence in just how much God wants to have a relationship with mm-hmm. us. When you hear all those stories and some of them where, I mean, people just totally wreck their lives. And then
0: how God redeems it and puts it back together um, when they find his grace. Yeah, God is just so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Now, is there one of those five awakenings that you see most predominant in people's lives? Um, the, the one, if I was going to pick one that
2: stood out, I think that second awakening, uh, awakening to regret, that's where most people get stuck. And uh, candidly, um, as people began to read the book, and we got feedback. We, we heard that, no, we're getting, this is the place where I get stuck. So we have a book that's going to follow this one coming out uh, this, this fall called Starting Over. Mm. Uh, learning to love your regrets and uh, and it really deals with when we get stuck in that sorry cycle mm-hmm. and of uh, just regret and we never push past it because what we what we talk about and we 'll maybe we 'll do another show it 's how those regrets actually get redeemed if we turn them over to God, and he uses them for great good, mm-hmm. which is this amazing thing
0: well, you know as I read the book, one word that continually came over and over in my mind was the word purpose. Uh, People are searching for an identity, a purpose. Uh, Could you elaborate a little bit on finding our identity in Christ and the greater purpose that God has called people to?
2: Yeah. um, One of the things we talk about in the book, too, is like it's fascinating when when you're a kid or if you talk to any little kid, let's say any kid who's, you know, six or seven or younger. And you ask, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? They always have an answer. Mm -hmm. They always have an answer. I, I want to be a cop. I want I want to be an athlete. I want to be a baseball player. I want I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a doctor. I want to be There's something placed inside all of us and I think it's part of the evidence for God that that all of us are kind of prewired there's a purpose mm-hmm. for why we're here. Right. And um and so I think that that is a really key part of this kind of awakening to longing. One of the things we also point out in the book too is that identity almost always precedes behavior. Identity precedes behavior. And when you begin to understand that my identity is not someone who is an alcoholic, that's not who I am, primarily, fundamentally at the core. I'm not someone primarily, fundamentally at the core of who I am, who's a, a child of a broken family. I'm not someone who's been rejected by my spouse. No, who I am at the core of my being is I'm a child of God. Right. And if you really get that, that I'm a child of God and I have a father who loves me no matter what, that identity, I think when it seeps into your head and into your heart, it begins to change your behavior because it changes how you feel and then it changes how you act. And so it's, it's, it's such a crucial crucial part of this finding your way back to God.
0: Now that's an awesome truth. And one of the chapters, I think it's near the end of the book, where you have the 30-day wager, Yes. Uh, the wager involves praying, practical application, and journaling. Yeah, um, can you tell us a little bit about the wager and the payoff? Sure. Well,
2: um, we kind of we borrowed something from uh, the great mathematician Blaise Pascal, and Pascal uh, was someone who himself was not a believer for some time, and had a remarkable kind of middle of the night kind of awakening, this experience with God, and was 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 so caught up in it, he wanted it for other intellectuals that he would interface with, and so he would often challenged them to a wager. And it actually then later got coined as Pascal's wager. And the wager was this, that, okay, why don't you begin to pray as though God exists and see if he doesn't reveal himself? Mm. Why don't you pray, just begin to pray and see if God doesn't reveal himself. Kind of betting on the idea, you know, God says, seek me and you'll find me. Right. And it was a very experiential kind of thing. And, and what began to happen is that people would take him up on that bet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they would. And God would show up in remarkable ways. And so what we've done in the book is we've actually said, hey, we, here's a 30-day challenge. And we give, we give five kind of big prayers, but then also kind of one for, or one for every awakening, and they'll take you through the course of a whole month. And we challenge people, you know what? If you're searching, and my hunch is there's a whole bunch of your listeners that could probably identify this where they'll say, you know what, I believe in God, but I, I, don't, really, I don't really feel like I'm connected to him. I don't know how to access him. I don't really feel kind of his presence, and, and I wish there was a way. Um, and I would encourage him. If you're feeling like, man, I'd like to find my way back, I'm telling you, God wants to have that relationship with you even more than you want to have it with him. And so... Uh, and maybe reading the book and then using this thirty-day wager, kind of just pray through it and see if God doesn't show up. Because we've had example after
0: example where I mean, God does. He shows up, and you're going like, "Wow, God really is real." Right. Well, you know, I'm thinking because I do a lot of street ministry and stuff like that, and I run into people that say, "Well, I don't believe in God," but that's a, a great thing to bring forth to them. Why don't you take thirty days and right. just pray? God make yourself known if you're really there. And one of the things I don't know see if I what noticed, happens, but yeah, and Pascal
2: would say, "Hey." Listen. You have everything to gain, and you have nothing to lose. Right, right. <laughs> Actually, last night at, at Community Christian, we started a brand new five-week series mm-hmm. that I do with in a large group, small group format on finding your way back to God. And we had oh, about fifty or sixty folks in the room, and then I and I would kind of facilitate, and I also would lead in a t- small table. There was. A young lady, she was uh, 20 years old as she was there, and is really just taking those steps, trying to figure this out, but really has these longings. Mm-hmm. And she's actually, it's kind of funny, she's a car dealer, works as a car salesman. And when we introduce Pascal's wager, you know, you know, you have everything to gain, nothing to lose. She goes, ah, I like a good sales pitch. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so right. um, maybe some of you are going like, okay, I'll take that bet.
0: Well, she'll see something happen, that's for that's sure. Her. Now, you're also a founder of New Thing, which is an international church planting movement. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about New Thing, both where it's at today and what your vision is for long term? This goes back probably
2: about 10 years ago when we planted our very first church out in Denver. And uh, a guy named Dave Urshay, who's actually, uh uh was our youth pastor at the time, came to me and said, Hey, I think I want to go plant this church in Denver. He went out there and came back. It was very clear that God was in it. So we kind of got him in front of our church and said... Hey, Dave and Heather are going to go plant this church in Denver, and if and if God is asking them to go, then some of you here in Chicago need to go with them. And we had about thirty-five folks that moved from Chicago out to Denver wow. to help plant that church. I mean, sold their homes, got new jobs, transferred schools. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was kind of like that's a big move. Right? Yeah, it's kind of like Acts kind of you know Acts in the Bible kind of stuff that's right. happening there. And um, we just stayed in relationship. And then the next thing you know, we planted a church in in New York City, in Manhattan, and then one in Boston, and then one in Knoxville, and then one in Detroit. And we just kind of stayed connected, and it began to kind of constantly reproduce. And um, now here it is 10 years later, and there's more than 300 churches, both nationally and now internationally. We just got back from a conference uh, down in Orlando. Almost half the churches now that are a part of New Thing, and and one of the core things about New Thing is planting other churches. Mm I don't know if your listeners know this or not, but one of the things that research has found is that actually brand new churches will will reach five times as many new people as do existing churches of ten years of age or older. That's interesting. Right. And right. so it's um and so churches too have a life cycle. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean Greg, actually if you look at your New Testament, you look at all those churches in the New Testament, go, Hey, where are those churches? Right. And it turns out they died. So like the rest of us, churches have a life cycle. And so you give it, you give it everything you can for as long as you can. But the, one of the things we have to be doing is starting brand new churches to reach more people. And so that's why we're doing that. And that church in the home, too, is just so valuable. Where the the small group. Oh, absolutely. And I, one of the things that we've found, too, is that in these churches that are starting other churches, usually – within those churches are small groups that are actually starting other small groups. Mm-hmm. And that is the lifeblood. Uh, not so much the large group event, but the small group where that community is happening, where kind of discipleship's happening, where people are loving each other and take care of each mm-hmm. other. That's, that's where the really good that stuff foundation happens. foundation there, yeah. yeah absolutely. That, that's
0: awesome. What's on your heart today, Dave, that you'd like to share with our listeners to encourage them in the things of God?
2: I think the one thing that just kind of came to mind is, uh, as we were talking, too, is maybe some people who are listening have kind of doubted, whether God really is interested in them. And I think the one thing I would just really encourage them is is back to this kind of this prayer. You know, go ahead and pray that prayer. Say, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And maybe secondly maybe some of you that are that are listening and there's also people that come to mind you're going like well it's not really me but there's people that I know that are like that too and um maybe maybe this book could be something that would be that would be helpful to them um uh, we've had lots of people who bought the book and it's been helpful to them but it's also been the kind that they'll buy and they'll buy you know two or three and begin to pass them out to different people and we've seen some really cool stuff come as a result of that.
0: And that's how I got your book from Lisa. Oh, is uh, that right? mutual friend, right? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. She, she, she purchased a couple of them and passed one along to me at that's awesome. one of my work locations. Well, Dave, what's the best way for our listeners uh, to reach you in order, either to have you come speak at their church or their small Bible group, or to order your books. Yeah.
2: I mean, certainly if if they're kind of social media media savvy, they can follow me on Twitter at Dave Ferguson. Um, I'm also on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But uh, particularly for the book, the landing page would be yourwayback.org. So they go to yourwayback.org. I also have a website, DaveFerguson.org. So, I mean, if you've got Google, you can
0: find me. All right. I'll put links up on our website to all those Perfect. Uh, locations okay. as well. Thank you. Thank you, Dave, very much for joining us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Greg. God bless you.
3: to a heart right my time along with you give thanks for all you do good morning daddy Day
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show, and thank you to Dave Ferguson for sharing his heart and life with us today. If you enjoy the Solution Radio Show, please tell your friends and/or email them a link to our archive at thesolutionradioshow.com. On the website, you may re-listen at your convenience to all of our previous shows. There's also links there to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there's a page for upcoming events. If you'd like your event listed, you may send the information to info at the radio A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. Once again, that number, 844-705-3410. We'll play testimonies in our upcoming shows. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. Due to the wonders of modern technology, we know that on the website replay we have listeners all throughout the United States and over 75 countries around the world we have had individuals listening to the program and some of those countries include England, Norway, the Philippines, uh, Malaysia, Russia, Vietnam, japan mongolia iran uh, the united arab emirates and so forth there's just so many of them uh, which i'm really grateful for that it has that type of outreach the solution radio show is listener supported uh, both by your prayers and your financial giving i really appreciate your prayers all the financial donations are tax deductible thank you for your support Our mailing address is the Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Once again, that mailing address, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There is also a donation link available on our website. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.